Thank you, choir. Al, thank you. And uh, on a day like today, what, a, what better song could there be? Glorious, Amen. almighty God. It's a great day, isn't it? Isn't this a great day? Amen. It is a great day. I remember when I was a child, uh, my grandfather had a, sta- had a saying, and, and it went like this. He would say, great day in the morning. I'd have never heard anybody else in my life that I know of make that phrase, great day in the morning. And, and he would make that comment if there were something exciting or impressive or impactful. For example, anything his grandchildren would do, great day in the morning. It was great. <laughs> if it was a beautiful day outside and he was commenting on the weather, great day in the morning. Or, to my grandmother's chagrin, if a pretty lady walked by. Great day in the morning. Well, throughout the book of Acts, the early church was greatly impactful, and it was a great day for the kingdom of God. Not just a one 24-hour day, but but day in the sense of, of season of time. It was a great season of time in the early days of the church because the church was greatly impacted by God And the church was greatly impactful of the community and the world in which they lived, even up and until today and uh, and going forward. There's always a great impact for the church. Would you stand with me for just a moment? We're looking today at a variety of passages of Scripture. We're working our way through the book of Acts in the New Testament. And uh, we've been going passage by passage, which we'll continue to do. But today, we're going to kind of do a, a survey uh, of some key passages throughout the book of Acts dealing with the word great. Dealing with the word great. Now, the passage I want us to read together, the words will be on the screen. I want you to read with me, is Acts chapter 4, verses 32 and 33. Acts chapter 4, verses 32 and 33. Would you read those with me out loud? Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. I want you to notice there on the screen, that verse, verse 33, and with great power, so there's one word, and then down at the bottom is the phrase, and great grace. Notice what it says about great power. It says, with great power, they were giving testimony. And then at the bottom, it says about great grace, that it was upon who? Them all. all. Do you know who we are? We're them all. Our Heavenly Father, today, we pray for your great power that was exhibited throughout the days of the writing of the Scripture. And your great power that we read about throughout the history of the church. And your great power that many of us have seen and experienced in our own lives and in great movements in the church and in the community in days gone by. We pray, Lord, for that same great power to be evident in our lives, in this church, in our community, and in our world. Lord, today, the world needs your great power as never before. And our Heavenly Father, today, We pray that we as the followers of Christ, like the followers of Christ in the days of the New Testament and throughout history, that we might know the great grace of God poured out upon us all. Lord, you've done it before. You always give us your grace now. But we pray, Lord, for an outpouring 
of your grace that would impact and ripple out from this place and that people might know about Ridgecrest Baptist Church, not about the facilities, not about the ministry staff, not about the parking lot or the activities, but that they might know the great power of God and the great grace of God. To the glory of God, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, please be seated. So today we're going to kind of do a survey, an overview of some key passages dealing with the topic of the word great. Now, in the Greek language, uh, there are multiple words that we translate into English, the word great. I want to give you the definition of two of those words that we see used prominently in the book of Acts. The first is the word uh, P-O-L-U-S, polos. And that word simply means much and many. So when that word is used, it's used to describe many of something. There was a great number. There were many. So, so in, in, in that sense. And the second word uh, is the Greek word megas. Megas. From which we get the phrase or the word mega. Uh, I like the phrase, you know, uh, that was uh, some mega fries they were serving at their hamburger joint the other day. Isn't that a great? I, I like the use of that word. And, and then, for example, uh, just, just by, by uh, illustration, uh, to say that was a mega win for the University of North Carolina yesterday in football. That was just for illustration purposes, uh, to just illustrate this great word uh, from, uh, from the book of uh, Acts. God wants to impact His church, and through His church to impact the world in a mega way, a big way, an impressive way. And the key that we see in the book of Acts, and the key that we so often I don't know the right way to say this, that we often overlook or neglect or ignore or fail to recognize is the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. For some reason, Baptists have been labeled as scared of the Holy Spirit. I hope that's not true of us. But that we will embrace the Holy Spirit, allow the filling of the Holy Spirit, and see what great things the Holy Spirit does in and through a believer and a church that is committed to uh, the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're going to look today at seven qualities of what I'm going to call a church of great impact. I want us to be, to continue to be, and to be as never before, a church of great impact. I want you to, to look with me at several times the word great is used in the Gospel of Acts concerning the church. For example, notice first of all that a church of great impact has great power. We just, we just looked at that a moment ago from Acts chapter 4, uh, verse 32 and 33. Verse 32 says this, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. We don't have time today to get into that first phrase, but I want you to notice that in the church, great power came when there was great unity. They were uh, the full number. You know who that is? That's everybody in the church. And the full number were of one heart and one soul. It's not about what you think. It's not about what I think. It's not about what you think. But we're in one heart and soul saying, Lord, it's all about you. It's all about the Lord. When, when it's all about the Lord, the differences that we have between us, and listen, they are many, Right? It's always, I've always heard that you put three Baptists together, you have four opinions to start with. <laughs> and that's just human nature. But when we all get our eyes focused on the Lord, 
then we all come together and there's great unity. But notice this, that, that, that uh, they were of one heart and soul and with great power, with mega power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. I want you to notice two things about, about power here. One, I want you to notice it was Holy Spirit power. I mentioned this just a minute ago. There was Holy Spirit power. The, 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 one of the key phrases or the key verses in the book of Acts is Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8 where Jesus said just before ascending to heaven, you will receive what? Power. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. How is it that we are witnesses to, to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when we receive this power? And where does that power come from? The Holy Spirit. In the Greek language, that word power comes from the Greek word dunamis. And out of that Greek word dunamis, we get the English word, you ready for it? Dynamite. You, Jesus said, will receive dynamite level power. Explosive power. Noticeable power. Earth-shaking power. I, uh, I was looking through Facebook the other day trying to find something, and somebody had put a, uh, a little video uh, on Facebook of this guy standing at his patio that it had, had put, uh, I think, some gas, had a gas line. Did you see that? Anybody see that one? He, he just throws a match at it. Now, I don't, I don't know where he was from. But in, in, anyway, the earth shook. There was some mega power taking place when he threw that gas on that match on that gas. And listen, in the same way, Jesus says this, when, when you get that Holy Spirit power, it's not a little whimper. It's not unnoticeable. It is earth-shaking power. You'll receive that power, and the power is to do what? Not have a big church, not to have programs, not to have air conditioning. Praise the Lord for air conditioning, by the way. But you'll receive power to be my witnesses. There is a tie together of the power of God equipping the witnesses of God. And when we're not witnessing for the Lord, we're not experiencing the power of God. The power is available as we are witnesses. So, so you'll receive power. But then also notice not just Holy Spirit power, but testimony power. Testimony power. The, the, the Holy Spirit power empowers the testimony power. Uh, chapter 4, verse 33 there, is, is they, will be a, they were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. They were, they were talking ab about Jesus. And they weren't just talking about the resurrection of Jesus as it, was, as it was prophesied in the Old Testament, which it was. They weren't just talking about the resurrection of Jesus in, in that they, they heard a pastor talking about it, which they had. They weren't just talking about the resurrection of Jesus, having heard Jesus talk about the, His resurrection before He ever went to the cross. Although they had heard all of that, they were talking about the resurrection of Jesus using their own what? Their own testimony. And you know what a testimony is? A testimony is my experience and my story about what's happened to me. And so testimony power about the resurrection of Jesus Christ is one person telling another person or one Sunday school connect group telling the members of their connect group or, or one person leading a Bible study around the, the, the dinner table in their home or, or, or a person getting together, a couple getting together with another couple to go out to eat 
to, to, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ is, is one guy at work telling another guy at work about what Jesus means to him. It's, it's a lady uh, at work telling another lady at work about what Jesus means to her. Just sharing the testimony, the difference that Jesus makes because he was raised from the dead. That, that dynamite power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same dynamite power that lives inside of me and empowers me to share my testimony about what Jesus means in my life. And guess what happens? That earth-shaking power translates and people come to know Christ as their Savior. Why is it? The question is being asked all over. Why is it that so few people are making professions of faith these days? Why is it that across the Southern Baptist Convention, our baptisms continue to decline year after year? Why is it that the church is not making the impact on the culture as it has in the past? Why is it that the Holy Spirit power of God seems to not be present in our day and in these days like it has been in the past? Is it because God is no longer able? No. If we look at the... At the math of this equation, God provides the dynamite mega power of the Holy Spirit for His believers, His followers, to testify to the resurrection of Christ so that people might come to know Christ. Could it be? I'm not, I'm not making accusations today. I'm just saying, could it be that the people of God are not tied into the power of God and not giving testimony to the resurrection of Christ in, in a way that the power of God can flow that people might come to know Christ? Could it be that that's what's happening across our world and across our country today? Could be. But great power comes when the followers of Jesus testify to what the resurrection of Jesus means in their life personally. And then in a church, and uh, Al, what a great song the choir just sang, testifying to the power and the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, so a church of great impact has great power, but a church of great impact also has great grace. We read that just a few moments ago as well. Uh, Acts 4, uh, verse 32 and 33. Now, the full number of those who believe were of one heart and soul. With great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And in combination with that, Great grace was upon them all. Again, unity. Again, blessing. The grace of God, the unmerited favor of God, the, what we don't deserve, God pours out upon us His great blessings. I don't deserve His grace, but I've received it. You don't deserve His grace, but you've received it if you know Christ. We don't deserve His grace as a church. But you know what God does? He pours out His grace upon His followers, upon His children. And notice there's two ways this takes place. First of all, there's grace from God to the believers. Grace from God to the believers. We see this in many places in Scripture. One of those is Romans 3.24, which says, All are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. There's a life impacting grace that comes. The redemption that comes through Jesus is the resurrection of Christ becoming real in a person's life when they believe, and that brings about God's grace. It is from God to the person who believes in Jesus. That's why it's so important that each one of us make a personal decision to embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. My salvation won't help you, and your salvation won't help me. 
but the grace of Jesus is poured out when we put our faith and trust in Him. So, so the grace from God to the believers, but then also when the believers, when, when we as Christians experience the grace of God in our own lives, guess what we then begin to do? We begin to share that grace of God with those all around us. A church that is full of grace is a church that is full of power. And when those who are not believers come into that kind of a church, whoo, they feel the Spirit. They feel the Spirit. So grace from God to believers, then grace from people to each other. And, and, and again, there are many places in Scripture where this is illustrated. One of my favorite is Ephesians 4 and verse 32, which says, Be kind one to another. Be kind one to another. Tenderhearted. I love that word, tenderhearted. Forgiving one another. Do you know what that's a picture of? Grace. Kindness, tenderness, forgiveness towards each other. Just as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Because I have been forgiven, because I have received grace, you know what I'm supposed to do now? I'm supposed to share that grace with other people. And you put somebody in a church where the grace of God is being experienced, and the power of God is being displayed, and you know what happens? You've got a church of great impact. But I also want you to notice a third uh, use of the word great here, and that is a church of great impact is a church that has, now listen to this, great fear. A church that has great fear. Acts chapter 5. We'll talk about this in the next couple of weeks in depth, but, but in a nutshell, uh, there are two people that are part of the church, Ananias and Sapphira. And they're part of the church there, and they're identified as being insincere and hypocritical and compromising. Why is it that, they, that, that anybody in a church would put themselves forward and be insincere about it? That everybody else is experiencing the power of God, and so they act like they are too. Everybody else is experiencing the grace of God, and they put themselves forward as experiencing the grace of God. Everybody else or folks around are, are, are providing financially for those in need, and, and, and they uh, put themselves forward as, as doing this great uh, uh, benefit to the church of selling property and giving all the money to the church. Only they didn't do that. They sold the property... And they gave part of the money to the church. And in response, here's what Peter said. We'll get more into this because it, it could be a little, a, a, little, a little mysterious here. But in Acts chapter 5, verses 3 to 5, Peter says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? Here's what's going on. There was a wickedness and an evilness in the heart of Ananias and his wife Sapphira. Even in appearing to do a good thing, they were doing it with hypocritical spirit and they were identified. So Peter says, Satan has filled your heart. You have lied to the Holy Spirit. Verse 4. You have contrived this deed in your heart. You have lied not to men. You've lied to God. And when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. He died. And then notice verse 5. And great fear came upon all who heard it? Can you imagine that something like that would happen in the church and, 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 and Ananias did this and he was called out and he dropped down dead right there in church? Wouldn't you be afraid? Man, I would. Verses 6 to 10, Sapphira, his wife, wasn't there. She came in and the same thing happened. Verse 11, uh, she passed away too. <coughs> and it says there, And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. There was a... Fear or an afraidness of God. 
there was a fear of judgment of God. There was a fear of sin. This story, and we'll talk about it again in a week or so, this story points out that in the eyes of a holy and a righteous God who has exhibiting His power through His Holy Spirit, sin is a serious matter with God. And the sin in the life of one can have a great impact in that one life, and it can ripple out and have a great impact to the negative across the church. And God dealt uh, harshly and righteously with Ananias and Sapphira. So a fear, a fear of this, this awesome God who is at work, it came across the church. And in our day and time, when we exhibit our testimony, when we, when we share with people the wonderful message of the gospel, which is we can have forgiveness through Jesus Christ, but the, the flip side of that is if we don't call upon our Savior, there is a great fear of facing a holy and a righteous God and knowing that even when we appear to be doing good things and in the eyes of others we may be doing a great thing, but there is a, 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 an attack of Satan in the midst of that and we will have a heavy payment to make when we allow Satan to enter our hearts, our lives, and our church. And we should all have a healthy fear of that. I want you to notice, fourthly, that a church of great impact... And I, Listen, I'm praying that Ridgecrest Baptist Church will be a church of great impact. That a church of great impact has a great response. There's a great response to the gospel when the Holy Spirit power of God is present in a church. There's a great response to the gospel when, when a believer, a Christian like you and I, when we go out into our, our, our workplaces and our schools and, and we go out into our homes and in our community, there's a great response to the gospel. I want you to, to notice, uh, look at chapter 6 and verse 7 with me. It says, the word of God continued to increase. In other words, they were telling, more and more people were talking about the word of God. And the number of the disciples, the number of those coming to Christ multiplied MAGA. It multiplied greatly. It multiplied over and over again in Jerusalem. And so people were coming to faith in Christ in impressive, impactful, and great numbers. And it goes on to say this. Now listen to this. And a great many, a good number, a strong number of the priests, the Jewish priests, became obedient to the faith. When God's Spirit was working, it wasn't, it wasn't just the, 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 let's say the average regular people that were coming to faith in Christ. There were among them priests who had been trained in the ways of the Old Testament, trained in the law of Moses. And as the gospel was preached and the Spirit moved, they began to see that, that, that the fulfillment of the law of Moses and what we have as the Old Testament came true in Jesus Christ. And it was a great movement there. Chapter 11 and verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Again, you see this great response, a great number, uh, uh, not, a, not a, 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 an absolute number like 50 or 100 or 1,000, but a great number, a huge crowd, they were coming to know Christ. Chapter 14 and verse 1. They entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number, listen to this, of both Jews and Gentiles, or Jews and Greeks, believed. There was a life-changing response to the gospel, and people in great numbers 
not just one here and one there and a trickle here and a trickle there, but people in great numbers were coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I want to show you a picture of our recent baptism service we had here at Ridgecrest just a few weeks ago. And I, I love all of our baptism pictures. Don't you love baptism? Don't you love, you love baptism? It's an it's a outward picture of a life change, an inward life change that happens as people come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And, and I love all our pictures, but I love this picture for a couple of reasons. One is there's a good number of folks in that picture. That's always a good thing. You see some adults in that, in that picture? You see some teenagers in that picture? You see some children in that picture? You see some males in that picture? There's some females in that picture? There's some white people in that picture? There's some black people in that picture. And just a good representation that the gospel is for everybody and that when the power of the gospel goes out, there's a great response among the Jews, among the Greeks, among the males, among the females, among the older, among the younger. The gospel has a great response. Isn't that exciting? Now let me give you three factors to this gospel response that we see here in the book of Acts. One is... Bible presentation. There's a, there's a continual focus in the book of Acts on Bible presentation. What I mean by that is the Word of God. The Word of God is going out. The Word of God is preached. The Word of God is taught. The Word of God is shared over and over again. And you see in chapter 6 and verse 7, the Word of God continued to increase. What was happening? The Bible was being taught. The foundation of our faith is the Bible. And the Bible that you and I hold in our hands is the same Word of God that was used in the days of the New Testament church when God moved in such awesome ways. We have the same Bible. But also notice too, a second factor is the Holy Spirit. Over and over again, I mention this about every week, every chapter of the book of Acts mentions and teaches about the Holy Spirit. Seventy times in the book of Acts we see the presence of the Holy Spirit mentioned. In chapter 11, verse 21, it says, the hand of the Lord was with them. It's so important to recognize that it's not the person, it's not the disciple, it's not the apostle, it's not that they were with Jesus. It, and none of that is, it matters. What matters is that the Holy Spirit of God, God Himself was with them as they presented the Word of God, the message of God. And then thirdly, I want you to notice they had a personal testimony. It's not just what God has done in the past. It's not just what God has done in our midst. It's not just what God is doing in the church. It is, let me tell you what God is doing in my life. In my life. We have the Word, we have the Spirit, and we have our own story. I try not to overwhelm you week in and week out with my story, my story, there's so many of us have stories as well. And when we get into those conversations and we have opportunities to, to simply say to somebody, we don't have to be theologians and go to seminary. It's simply saying, let me tell you. Can I, can I take just a minute and tell you what the Lord has done in my life? Chapter 14 and verse 1. They spoke in such a way that a great number believed. You know how they were speaking? They were saying, let me tell you. Let me testify to you. The resurrection power of Jesus has taken place inside of me. You know what the good news is? When we look at these factors that brought about the great impact in the New Testament church, the Bible, the Spirit, and the testimony, all three of those factors are available to you and available to me. I'm praying God will motivate us to use those 
for his glory. Let me give you a fifth, uh, a fifth point here, and that is that a church of great impact has great opposition. There's always opposition to the gospel. When, when the church is moving and, and the Spirit is moving and the power of God is moving, the, the enemy is not happy when the church makes a, a big impact. You know that, right? That the enemy is not happy. He comes at us. The, when, 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 when the gospel is going forth, the world is not happy that the church is making an impact. It takes away the customers from the world. And when God is moving, the flesh is not happy when the gospel is making an impact ourselves because our flesh... Mine and yours is at war with the gospel. Do you know why? Because we want to go our own way. And so inside of us, when God is moving, perhaps this is what happened with Ananias and Sapphira. When God is moving, our flesh, our own natural self is not happy. And we war back against the Spirit of God. In chapter 7, which we'll get to before too long, Stephen, one of the believers, testifies greatly about the move of God through Moses all the way through Moses and uh, up until the present day. And uh, in the end, they stoned him to death. Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 8 and verse 1. Immediately after the death of Stephen, it says, There arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Stephen testified boldly and gloriously and was killed. And the believers scattered. They scattered because they were fearful for their own lives. Am I next? Are we next? And so they took off. Um, We like to think that we don't know anything about persecution in that manner. But it's happening in our world. I mentioned to you every couple of weeks about where we're seeing opposition to the Christian faith. I saw a story this past week, October 21st. uh, The Christian Post put out uh, a story about the People's Republic of China destroying a church that could seat 3,000 people. You'll see a picture on the screen of a bulldozer or a, a backhoe, whatever that thing is. It's a knocking down a church there in China. According to China Aid, an international Christian human rights group, Chinese authorities provided no legal papers to justify the demolition. The pastors were detained under suspicion of, quote, gathering a crowd to disturb the social order. You know what they're saying? That church is making an impact. In communist China, here's the church. They permitted the church as long as they behaved themselves. They permitted the church as long as, as long as they kept in their place. But when Jesus starts working, there's going to be opposition. The president of China Aid said that the incident was, quote, another clear example showing the escalation of religious persecution today by the Chinese Communist regime. And the last statement in the article said this, the Communist government has destroyed or damaged several churches reflecting their concerns about the increasing Christian population in the country. In a country of communist rule. In a country where religion is looked down upon. In a country where they're opposing the Christian faith. You know what's happening to the faith? You can tear down the church. You can tear, well, you can tear down the building. You can't tear down the church. God's Spirit is moving. And when God's Spirit moves, history shows us over and over again, there's going to be opposition. But let me tell you this. A sixth thing, a church of great impact is a church that has great joy. There's great joy 
in a church that's making an impact for the gospel, even in the face of opposition. Chapter 8 of Acts, we'll get there in a few weeks. Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution, they went about preaching the word. When they, didn't just, they didn't just go hide and not let anybody know. As they went out and scattered away from Jerusalem, they were telling people about Jesus. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the gospel of Christ. And crowds, the, the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and they saw the signs that he did. Verse 8, so there was much or great, the same word there, there was great joy in that city, in Samaria. Why? Because the gospel was going forth. You can oppose it here and we may have to scatter, but as we go, we're going to tell people and they're going to get excited about Jesus. That's exciting to know, isn't it? That's exciting to know, isn't it? I just want to make sure you listen with me this morning here. The last one I want to share with you is this. The church, a church of great impact has a great reach. I love this. I love this so much perhaps because this is where I see myself. This is where I see I see myself fitting in. No matter how great you might be, how mega you might be, or how small and insignificant you might be, do you know what? There's room for you in the church. No matter who you are, there's a great reach for the church because everybody is somebody in the church. Isn't that true? Everybody is somebody and anybody can come. The day that we say you can't be here is the day that we stop being the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And people are welcoming the church regardless of their ethnicity or their race or their gender or their social status. In the days before the New Testament church, when, when the Jews were, were, were the place where, where, where God was, where, where His people were, and God's plan was to take the Jews and use them to reach out to the ends of the earth, and when they wouldn't do that, there was a, a distinction in the eyes of the Jews between themselves and others. The, the Greeks or the Gentiles, they looked down on them. They didn't try to reach out to them. They weren't following what God's purpose and plan was. They were segregated. They discriminated. They didn't tolerate anybody else. And, and they, were, they, were, they were very judgmental as a whole. But then a great shockwave came with Jesus. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, it says, There's neither Jew nor Greek. That's a shockwave in that day. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's, there's neither slave nor free. You talk about a shockwave. Neither slave nor free. You mean there's an equality between those who are in, in bondage of slavery and those who are not? You're saying there's an equality there? That's exactly what the Scripture says. There's neither male nor female. Now, wait a minute. We all know that females are second-class citizens. We all know that females don't count. We all know that females are only there to be a part of what, what the males are doing in the family. And now, hear the, the Word of God comes and says that in the eyes of God it doesn't matter if you're male or female. That's exactly what it's saying. That's a shockwave. And then he says this, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. It, excuse my English here, it don't matter who you are. It don't matter where you come from. It don't matter what you did. You can come to Jesus. James chapter 2, it talks about showing partiality in the church. I pray we never do this. 
He says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith of the Lord Jesus, the Lord of glory. For if a, if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing comes in also, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing, and you say to him, You sit here in, the, in a good place, while you say to the poor man, You stand over there. Or you can sit at my feet. Your choice. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? If you really fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convinced, convicted by the law as transgressors. Nobody is left out. Nobody is better than anybody else, regardless of ethnicity, race, gender, or social status, but also regardless of your position, whether you are royalty or whether you are regular. Doesn't matter who you are. Acts chapter 25 and verse 23, Paul is appearing before the king, and it says, The next day Agrippa the king and Bernice came in with great mega with mega pomp. They walked in with all the, the, the noise and the band and, 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 the, and the flumes and the, and the entourage. They walked in there like they were somebody. In chapter 26, verse 22, Paul says this in, in defending the gospel. He says, This day I've, I have had the help that comes from God, so I stand here testifying both to the small, the regular, the insignificant, the regular old folks, and to the great. You sit up in the balcony with all your pomp and that's fine. Or you stand at the back because they won't let you in because you don't have money for a ticket. That's fine too. You're both welcome in the gospel. That's the message of the gospel. In uh, chapter 26, verse 27, Paul says to the king of great pomp, Do you believe the prophets? I know you believe. And Agrippa said, In a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, Whether short or long, I would to God, that not only you, but all who hear me this day become a Christian. I want everybody, Paul says, to become a believer. It's not just the great in the eyes of others, not just the small people in the eyes of others, but it don't matter who you are, where you're from, what you've done. You can come to God and into the kingdom of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that exciting to know? Man, that's exciting. Also, regardless of your family connections, it don't matter what your family's like. That's why I just appreciate so much the gospel. It doesn't matter who you're related to. You see on the screen, there's a picture of our good friend Nadej from Haiti Outreach Ministries. Nadej uh, is Haitian, and we met her many times over the years when we go down to Haiti to do work. Nadej was an orphaned child, kind of left on her own. She bounced around from home to home. She was with us this past Wednesday night. That's when I took the picture there. We, we had a great time. We had some Awana kids with us. Our adults were with us. We just had a great time listening to her tell the story of what God is doing in her life and in Haiti Outreach Ministries and how we're a part of that as Ridgecrest Baptist Church. But Nadej was adopted by Pastor Leon and his wife Jackie. We've had Pastor Leon here. Y'all know Pastor Leon. Quite a character. Uh, so Nadej was adopted by Pastor Leon and his wife, Jackie. And, and go back one slide there, Bill, if you would. But, but Nadej, uh, in being adopted, uh, came into their family. Although she had nothing, she was welcomed into their family. What a beautiful picture of the adoption that we have in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Next picture I want you to notice there in the, uh, in the middle there is, uh, that's Sherry. And uh, Sherry was adopted at birth out of state 
And she grew up not knowing her biological family connections. Now that she's grown, she lives uh, in Tennessee. Sherry and I connected this past spring through Ancestry.com because we had both submitted our DNA and made our records public. The test revealed that through my father, she and I and my brother there, Joe, are brothers and sisters. Half-siblings, and further family testing confirmed that, uh, that all the, the pieces match up. And uh, over the last several months, we've had a lot of communication. And just last night, we met face-to-face over in Raleigh and took this picture. And God willing, she and her family is going to be at our next service this morning. And uh, what an awesome thing. And the whole point of it is simply this, that in families... There may be adoptions, there may be orphans, there may be difficulties, but in the family of God, guess who's welcome? Everybody's welcome. Everybody is welcome. So I want to ask you, if you would, just for a moment, to bow your head and to close your eyes. And I want to ask you, in just a moment, I'm going to pray that God would continue to make Ridgecrest Baptist Church a church of great impact. And that we'll see the greatest impact for the gospel in the future. Because we believe that God is still at work. But also because we believe that each one of us has a role to play. Personally, in our walk with God. Personally, as we are a part of this church. Personally, as we participate in in growing in our faith and in impacting others with the gospel. And then together and collectively as we seek to experience the great power and the great grace of God. Yes, it's our church, but it starts with each one of us in the church saying, Lord, I want you to use me. Lord, I, I want to experience that grace and I want to experience that power. Lord, I want to be one who will share a testimony of the saving faith of Jesus and what His resurrection means in my life. So in these these few moments here, just listening to the organ play, would would you just be alone with God and take just a moment and ask Him to start with you right where you are and to do amazing, impactful things in your life and through your life. Let me ask you, if you will, just to join me. Let's stand together. Just stand together. Now, I want you to look up here at me. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. And uh, I, I try to warn you, I'm praying. If you don't want in on it, just tell the Lord. That doesn't include me, Lord. I'm going to pray for a gospel impact in us and a gospel impact through us. And we're going to sing together a great song of the faith. We're going to sing, How Great Is Our God. Do you know why we're going to sing that song? Because it's not, that, it's not that you're great and it's not that I'm great. It's that He's great. And when the great God gets involved, impact happens. Impact happens. I'm going to pray and uh, then we're going to sing. As we're singing, Rodney, come up here to the front if you would. Rodney's going to be available. If God is making an impact upon you even right now during this worship service, you'd like somebody just to give you a word of encouragement, pray with you, uh, Rodney's going to be here at the front and be available. 
And uh, even after our service concludes, if God just won't let you go, you find Rodney or Al, and uh, you just let them give you some words of encouragement. Pray with me now, then we're going to sing this great song. Our Heavenly Father, we acknowledge today that it is you who are great. It is you who provides the power. It is you who provides the grace. It is you, O oh God, that provides the testimony. But Lord, you rely upon us to choose you. And Lord, if there be somebody here today that's never experienced the testimony of the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ by trusting Jesus as Savior, Lord, even now, may they be crying out to You in their heart, Oh God, save me through Jesus, my Savior, who died on the cross that I might be forgiven and set free of my sins. And Lord, if there's someone here today, help them to find Al or find Rodney or find a connect group leader or a deacon or a friend before they leave. And, and, and Lord, just make it known and get some encouragement. And Lord, for those of us that are followers of Christ, forgive us for those times that we, that we neglect the Holy Spirit, those times that we neglect sharing our testimony, those times that we neglect living out our faith in the midst of a culture that's turning more and more away from You. Forgive us, Lord, of those times that, that we have sinned against You. And Lord, in the, in, the, in, in, the, in the quietness of this moment, in the singing of a song about our great God, may our passions be stirred by Your Holy Spirit. May our motivation, Lord, be, be lit on fire by the presence of Your Holy Spirit. May, may we be on the lookout with spiritual eyes in our homes, in our jobs, in our schools, in our community. Lord, may we take it upon ourselves that You want to use, yes, our church, but You want to use us individually to make that great impact. I thank You, Lord, for the impact You've made upon my life. I thank You, Lord, for the impact You've made upon this church. I thank You, Lord, for the impact You've made through this church for so many years. Lord, we pray today, do it again. Oh God, do it again. Do it again. Because of Your greatness about which we sing even now in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Amen.